Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn back to Ephesians. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. And I started this message last week, and we started talking about the godly marriage. What does that mean? Now, before I, before I even get back into it, we have to understand why we're talking about this. This is not necessarily, and the scripture is not written, just so that you can have a good marriage. That's not the context here. The context is that the church has come together. The church has come together to do something amazing, right? And, and it's Jews and Gentiles, and they've come from all different kinds. And when they come together, he says, now listen, you've got to be unified. And then he begins to break it down to the most unified elements, which is the home, your family. If we're going to be a church that's unleashed on this, uh, on this place and on this area, you've got to have a home life. Your family life has got to represent who we are. Because we're only going to be as unified as the, the single units in the church are unified, right? If you guys can't get along, and we threw out statistics last time that, that divorce outside of, of church is the same as divorce inside the church. So somehow we're not doing it right. Somehow we're not following the ways of the Lord or we would have a better track record. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Now that you've become a part of the body of Christ, your marriages should look different. They should not be the same. And if you've come to Christ uh, and, and sometimes you marry into a relationship that's an ungodly relationship and, you know, the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that's really another kind of a message, but I would encourage you to go and read over that if you're having some struggles in your marriage or, or, or things like that and God will help to instruct you on what to do in those situations. But, but here he's talking about ideally. And ideally, what are the roles of a woman? What are the roles of a man? And, and so we started talking about that. And, um, and, and sometimes when you start talking about the roles of a woman, you can get a little bit of a pushback uh, from people today because, you know, that's not a popular thing and women are trying to rise up and I don't have any problem with that. And, and, and in all honesty, whenever we talk about roles and being in subject, as the Bible says here in verse 22, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. And he and is himself its savior, right? So there is a, a submission factor that happens there that sometimes women are fighting against. And I'll be honest with you, when we talk about the role of a woman, I was expecting to get a lot more pushback last week than what I got. But truthfully, the pushback that I got was from the statement that I made about dogs. Because <laughs> I told some of you, and I know it was, I saw the looks. It was like major revelation that dogs are not people. Right? And uh, see, I'm still getting pushback on it. So I received an email this week um, from a dog that, um, that I'll, let, I'll just let you guys see it. Dad came home from church and said, Hey, Pastor Bill says you're not a people's. I said, What? And he said, Yeah, Pastor Bill said you're not a people's. I still love you, Pastor Bill. But on that day, on that great day when the lion lays down with the lamb, yeah, that day, right before that happens, I'm going to bite you on the ankle. <laughs> now, the first time I saw that, I heard that bite you, and I was not expecting ankle, right? I thought I was going to be that little kid on the uh, Coppertone commercials, you know, where, but anyway, so... Um, 
Role of a woman. Let me just refresh just for a second so that you guys can just get back into the scriptures we can remember. Um, there was a major thing that I wanted to talk to the ladies about, and we went all through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we talked about the role of a woman and how she's to be subject to the man, how she was made for the man, and, and, and not, not the other way around. And, uh, and so, guys, we're going to talk to you a little bit about that. But here's the one thing that I wanted you to understand from last week is that your submission has the ability to save. And I think that that's where a lot of ladies, uh, they don't understand that if they will come into, into submission of God's plan, and remember what I said, is that when you, when you are subordinate, when you come underneath your husband like you're supposed to, then you start praying, God, it's not my place to tell him. It's not my pra- place to correct him. It's not my place to be the one to, to, to make him change. But you can do that. And you sick the head on him, right? And you let Jesus talk to his heart. You let Jesus be the one to work on him. Guys, listen, you think, you're, you, you think your wife can, can, talk, can talk to you? Let me th- when God starts talking to your heart, you better listen. You better listen. But ladies, what, what happens is, is that if you're not in that submissive role and you start taking responsibility, the guy starts sitting back and says, well, if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to go ahead, you're going to do it, you're going to lead the home, you're going to lead the finances, you're going to lead us spiritually, then by all means do it. And so some of you guys are struggling because you feel like you're in that rock in a hard place. Am I right, ladies? Because it needs to be done and you've got to go forward and the finances have got to be paid and there has to be a plan and there has to, there has to be some kind of spiritualness for your children. And so you, you, you feel like, man, if I, if I just fall in that submission role, then it's going to get dropped. I'm telling you, as a man to women, I'm telling you, that's probably not going to happen. Now, there are some men out there that We'll drop the ball, right? But if you sit back in submission, and not, and not with a wagging finger, right? But if you sit back in submission and you just say, listen, I love you. I'm here to help you do whatever needs to be done. So what are we going to do? And you honor your husband, and you put that respect back on the man, and let him be the one to handle those things, you would be surprised at how much he steps up. But, but whenever you degrade him, listen to what I'm saying, ladies. Whenever you degrade him by saying, you're not good enough to do this, that's going to make him all the more just take his hands off and say, go ahead, you do your thing, right? So it's an oxymoron, right? It works against itself if you're not careful than just sitting back and saying, wait a minute, that's not my role. Uh, my role is to support you, and I'm going to do that wholeheartedly. Okay, uh, so that's what we talked about last time. So we're going to move on to the man uh, today. We're going to understand the role of a man. You guys ready? Guys, you ready? I don't think you're ready. See, uh, you, you're not ready. Okay, so here we go. Verse number 25, it says, husbands, love your wives. Now, ladies, let me just point this out to you. He didn't even tell you you got to love your husband. He just said you got to submit to him, Right? So listen, you might be, this is the biggest bonehead in the world, but, I, but still because of your relationship with Christ, you're going to submit and you're going to find yourself in that role. But for husbands, it says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, the, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without 
blemish. So as we talk about this role of, of the man or the husband, um, it's also defined in creation, and God has also set that up. So here's some of the things that we know already, right? Uh, a man is the head of the woman, right? We got that. We understand that from last week and from the scriptures we read. A man is given the authority to lead, to guide, and to protect. That is, that is the authority that God has given to the man. Now here's another one. A man needs help. <laughs> a man needs help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on that one for just a second because, guys, listen, let me tell you something that you've got to realize. It's not good that man would be alone. Isn't that what the Scripture says? I'm going to bring him a help. You need help. It might be directions. It might be grocery shopping. It might be clothes. It, it might be ironing. It might be biblical witness. It might be sharing your faith. Whatever it is, let me tell you something, you need help. You don't have it all figured out. If you have it all figured out, you're lying to yourself. Because God said you need help. So guys, listen, you need to humble yourselves just a little bit and understand that in the midst of what God gave you, in the midst of the authority to lead, guide, and to protect, he said, now, for you to do that properly, you need help. Especially when it comes to a family. When you're, when you're going to enter into a family, and isn't that what was happening back in Genesis chapter 2? We'll look at that here in a moment. But in Genesis chapter 2, God had given a command to Adam, and that command was, go and fill the earth with sons of God. That was the command, right? So for him to do that by himself, God put him in a garden, but there was no way that he could reproduce. Now, he could build, you know, he could build barns and make corn, and, but to fulfill the mission that God gave him, he needed help. He couldn't do it by himself. That's one of the first things you've got to realize, guys. Because if you're saying to your wife, I don't need you, it's not important whether you're here or whether you're not here. That's not true. You know that. That's why you married somebody. Because you need help. So I want you to just take that down for a moment and just, just grab hold of that. You need help. Ladies, it's okay for you to understand that too, that they need help, that you've come alongside to, to do this thing together. And I think there's so many families that are functioning as silos, right? They, they've got their own lives going on. They've got their own things going on. They've got their own responsibilities. And you know what? Sometimes I'm talking, and I'm probably going to hit some of you right between the eyes with this one, but I'm talking and I'm counseling with some of you guys, and, and I've been doing this for years, and, and, and I I hear married couples say things like, well, you know, she takes care of the electric bill and I take care of the car payment and, and this and that and, you know, and, and I, I've got the cable and I've got, I'm like, what? I, I like, I don't understand. What, what, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? Well, you know, I mean, she's got to do her part. She's got to, you know, she's got to come alongside. She's got to do the, no, listen, what needs to happen is, is that you have become One. There's not two of you. There's not one who runs the electric and one who runs the gas. No. You're in one home, I'm expecting. Right? So you just throw it in a pot. And then you run the pot. I'm just giving you good, solid advice for your marriage. Because what ends up happening if somebody runs short and the electric bill doesn't get paid? That's somebody's fault? Or is it not a couple? Is it not... 
a unity that happens. I'm, I'm just, what I'm trying to describe for you is in the most basic elements of the way that you live your life, it should be together. And to come together on those things. It's important. So, the man needs some help, right? Guys, listen. Here's what it says. Let's, let's read it again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, and ha- uh, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word. Let me ask you a question, guys. This is, this is important when it comes to that help. What's the mission for your family? What is your goal and objective? What are you trying to do? And guys, I'll be honest with you. Most people don't know what that is. Uh, When I counsel with couples, that's one of the very first questions that I ask, knowing that the answer, I I say this, every marriage has a purpose. Some of you guys have heard this because you counsel with me. Every marriage has a purpose. Why are you married? What are you trying to do? Right? What, what, what is the goal of your marriage? Where, where are you heading? And the guys look at me like, I don't know. She's hot, man. I don't, I don't know. I got with her because she looked good. I'm like, that's it? Because that's, that's, not, that's not a lasting marriage. I'll be honest with you. That's not a lasting marriage. What, God forbid what happens when somebody comes along and they look good too. No, I'm being serious. Right? So it's got to be based on something more than that. But you know what I find? And ladies, listen, if you're, if you're dating around and you're trying to find, because I know some of you guys are dating and so forth, listen, you need to get real honest with the man that you're looking at and say, what are you trying to do? What is your goal? Where are you heading? Because if you're going to link your cart to that horse, you need to know where the horse is headed. Because it's hard to unlink once you get linked, isn't it? Right? So, but then listen, if you're, if you got married and you have no idea, maybe you had butterflies and, 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 and puppy dog tails and whatever in your heart, whenever you were standing before the preacher and you got married and you're married now, listen, do you realize men that you can still sit down and you can still find out what the purpose of your marriage is? Now, here's what I want you to understand too, that in, in this purpose, you have the responsibility to lead. God has called you men to lead your homes and, and to lead them well in the ways of Christ. A woman finds safety, guys, listen to me. A woman finds safety in knowing the plan. What is the plan? Right? Thank you, well, thank you ladies. I appreciate it. What, what is the, the, and you have heard that question. I know that you have. What is the plan? Because when she comes to you and she says to you, we do not have enough money to pay the electric bill. And you say, well, I don't know. What she's coming to, she's not telling you there's not enough money to pay the electric bill. What she's saying is, what is the plan? Right? So you need to say what the plan is. Listen, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to families, when it comes to kids, what's the plan for our kids? What are, we gonna, what are we trying to do with our kids? Listen, these are questions that every man should answer. What's the plan? And if you don't have a plan, and listen, sometimes the plan is we're going to pray. We're going to ask God. We're going to do whatever he says, and we're going to watch him work. You know, Alan talked about my, my walk of faith, and, and it has been a walk of faith. It wasn't but just a few months ago that, that we were at the place where, you know, summertime was rough, and and I wasn't getting a paycheck or very little of a paycheck. And, 
And Kim came to me and she's like, are you going to be able to get paid this time? And I said, uh, I think so. I said, that's really not up to me because in some respects that's up to you guys, right, uh, on how that works. But um, so I said, I don't, I don't know. And she said, well, you know, I was looking at the accounts and um, I'm, not, I'm not sure you're going to get paid. So what's the, what's the plan? I said, I, I said, I'll tell you what, here's the plan. Let's pray. Let's ask God to do something that we can't do. Let's ask him to bring something in. So we prayed. I said, God, you know our finances. You know our needs. You have set us on this path. You have set us on this purpose. Would you provide? Before the day was out, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Alan knows it because he's the treasurer. Before the day was out, there was somebody in Iowa that dropped $1,400 into our account. Before the day was out. Which allowed me to get paid, praise Jesus. Right? But listen, what, what I'm telling you is, is that, and listen, I walked upstairs as a man. I just said, our God has provided. <laughs> our God has provided. Yeah, you know? Kim was cool with that. She, listen, she was cool with the walk of faith. She was cool. Now, um, she wanted another plan maybe, but... Here's the thing about me. I, I look at my wife. and We've been married now for 26 years. I look at her and I say, listen, have you ever gone hungry? I say this to my wife. You ever gone hungry? No. You're not going to start today. Because listen, I will kill myself for my family. And she knows that. Are you with me? She knows that. She knows that whatever it takes is what I'm going to do. If I got to work four or five jobs, I don't care. We're going to make it. Now, praise God that God, you know, kicked in and did all those kinds of things. God provides a way. But guys, listen, I'm telling you, your wife is going to take, take resolve in the plan. What is the plan? You know what that means? You're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to communicate that plan. Because here's what happens to men. What men do is we have a plan. Truthfully, we have a plan. We're rolling that thing around in our head all the time, right? We're thinking, come on, guys. Am I right? Josh, am I right? We're rolling that plan around, right? We're trying to figure it out. We, we've got all of, you know, we're, listen, there's a lot of pressure on a man. There's a lot of pressure on a husband when he's looking at those kids and he understands that they got to eat and they've got to, do you, do you really think that your husband is unconcerned with those things? It's not true. The problem is, is that he's rolling this plan around in his head and there's nothing coming out of his mouth. So you don't know about the plan, ladies, and you're struggling with it because you're like, oh, he don't have a plan. And maybe there's scenarios. Guys, listen. Do this for your wife. Just start talking to her. Start talking to her. Hey, listen, here's where we're at. Here's the three options that we have. Because that's what's rolling around in the guy's heads, right? Here's the three avenues that we're going to take. And I don't know which one it's going to be, right? But here's the, here's the plan. This is what I'm rolling around. You know what's going to happen, in all honesty? Is that your wife is probably going to come back and say, I think it's option number two. And she's a help to you. 
She can help you in that plan. She can help you to understand the ways that, that you need to move. That's what she's there for. But she can't help you in the plan if you never tell her about the plan. You've got to open your mouth. You, you've got to be thinking. You've got to have a plan. It's important. So your wife can't follow or help if she doesn't know the plan. So you've got to talk to her, right? Uh, that's the main thing. Um, Tell her, that, tell her sometimes that you're seeking the next step. And what I mean by that is that it, maybe it is a prayer time. Maybe it is a time of, I don't know. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get on my face before God, and I'm going to find out. I'm going to seek wise counsel. I'm going to find out. I'll do whatever I need to do to find out. Listen, do you know what a wife is going to say? A godly woman is going to say, that's cool with me. When you find out, when God reveals it to you, please let me know. She'll be okay with that, right? So, but you've got to figure it out. And, and this is what I would encourage you guys to do. Figure it out together. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. It says, Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are, are, are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Listen, you know what the scripture's telling you guys? Get her in on it. If I really want something, you know what I do? I tell my wife so that she can start praying. Because I like the relationship that she has with Jesus. Sometimes even more than my relationship, right? So when she starts praying, my wife has prayed for some crazy things and God just loves her, right? I'm just, I'm, you know, God just loves her. And so when she prays, her faith is strong, man. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So I get my wife in on that thing. Let's pray together. Let's see what God's going to do. And she starts praying and things start happening. Guys, you can do that too. Don't let your prayers be hindered because you're not including your wife on the things that are happening in your life. Deal with her in an understanding way. Do you understand what's happening? Do you understand where we're going? Do you understand what we're trying to do? Now listen, that's not to say, that's not to say that it, by any means, and ladies, sometimes you guys are so much smarter. It's the truth. You're so much smarter than we are because we're like tunnel visioned sometimes. And you guys have the ability to broaden out a little bit and to see other perspectives, which again, helps us, right? So guys, you need to speak in an understanding way so that you can understand better because there might be some things that you're missing, that you don't know about? And how can you lead properly if you don't have all the information? And your wife can bring that to you, right? Now, I want to go back to, I want to go back to our scriptures here, and I want you to look at what Jesus did to his bride. It says, uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Uh, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Listen, Guys, you only help yourself when you include your wife, okay? It's a help to you, but, but here's what I want you to grab hold of this. He says, by the washing of the water of the word. Here's what you need to do with your wife. You need to wash her in the word. What does that mean? What does it mean to, 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 to bathe your wife in the, the word of God so that she understands? Listen, you know why she doesn't think you're spiritual? Because you never say anything spiritual. 
And you know what? Again, sometimes God is really dealing with your heart. God is moving in your life. God is really speaking to you, but you're not sharing those things. But man, if you'll come to your wife and you'll say, listen, here's what God is teaching me in the Word. And you begin to guide her also in the Word and in the things of the Word. That's going to really help her. She's going to really begin to understand more about the Scriptures, more about where you're headed, and more about the purpose that you're trying to accomplish. She can be more of a help, and then all of a sudden you become a team. You know, more than anything, I hope that you guys see that with me and Kim. I hope that you see that we work together. We talk about ministry all the time. We talk about what God's doing all the time. We talk about you guys sometimes and where God's leading you and how we can help because there's sometimes that I can do some things and she can do some things and truthfully, we gang up on you. Right? Because we're a team and we want to guide you. But that all started because I began to guide my wife in the ministry and in the things of the Lord and in the things of the word. You ask her who her pastor is. She'll tell you it's me. I take that as one of the greatest compliments that what she could ever give me is that she looks at me not only as her husband, but as her pastor. Because she looks for me to that spiritual guidance of where we're going. Guys, listen, I'm not perfect by any stretch. God's working on me all the time. All I'm trying to do is open my mouth, communicate with my wife so that she knows where we're headed. She knows where we're going. I just, I, I begin to wash her in the word. I guide her in the word. I edify her in the word. I talk about how she's a Proverbs 31 woman. If you don't know what that is, you need to look that up. Because here's the thing. Here's what the Bible says. When, the, when a man finds a righteous woman, he's found a good thing. He's found a good thing. And I told you guys that when I'm looking at you, I, I, I don't necessarily judge you by who you are. I judge you by your wife. Is your wife happy? Um, and, and here's the thing, because she is a reflection of you. She reflects you. She reflects the way that you treat her and the things that you do for her. So guys, listen, you need to be very careful about the things that you say. Are they edifying to your help? Because if, you, if you're tearing her down, guys, listen to me. If you're tearing her down, you're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. If you will get that little statement down, if you don't hear anything else that I say, if you keep tearing down your wife, you are destroying yourself. And even the scripture says, listen, every man loves himself. I mean, that's a, that's a given. We're selfish by nature, right? If you really do love yourself, if you really want to help yourself, then make sure that you've got your better half and that you're building her up, that she can be all that she needs to be. I'll tell you what, there were times in, early on in our marriage where uh, because of my own insecurities, uh, I would tear down Kim. Uh, I, would, I, I would make her feel dumb. Uh, you know, things... It, there's so many examples. I've got tons of examples running through my head, but I don't want to necessarily take the time of the way that I would belittle her. You guys know what I'm talking about? I just want to be honest with you because it took me about five years in our marriage to figure out that I was a jerk. No, really, I remember sitting down one day, and, I, and this is what I said to myself. I said, I treat the stranger on the street with more respect than I treat the woman who lays with me in bed at night. How can that be? How can that be? 
And I, was, I got disgusted with myself. Because it wasn't Kim's fault. It was my fault. The way that I led and the things that I was doing, the way that I was guiding her, even though it was because of my securities, it was my fault that I was doing those things. So who needed to make the changes? Now listen, I'll be honest with you. Kim wasn't coming to me saying, you're a jerk. There were a lot of other people coming to Kim saying, he's a jerk. Why are you with him? No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Including my family. Why are you with him? He treats you like trash. Why do you allow that? You know what she would say? That's my husband. I appreciate it if you don't speak to him, speak about him like that. And they just thought she was crazy. But then she would go and she would pray. And God began to reveal to me, look at who you are. And then I began to edify. And I began to build her up. Man, you're really good with the ladies. Well, you really do well in, in ministry. And, and, I, and these are not things that I was just, you know, blowing smoke. She really does well. You guys know that, right? But what happened is, is that I began to edify her and she just began to blossom. And all of a sudden, I am so much better as a minister because of my wife. And I have people saying to me, Bill, listen, what you have with Kim is so uncommon in the ministry, you don't understand what you got. And I, and I just say, praise Jesus. I, praise God. But you know what I really feel like? I feel like that if some guys had their heads knocked by Jesus like I did, to say, you're a jerk, man. Quit being a jerk to your wife. Let her blossom. Let her bloom. Find out the things that she's good at. Celebrate those as she's helping you. And then all of a sudden, you get the credit. Listen, I've pastored several churches now. And every time I leave, they say, oh, Pastor Bill, we're so sorry that you have to leave. But Kim ain't going nowhere. You go ahead and do whatever God's calling you to do. But she don't get to leave. And what that tells me is that she's just as much a part of what's happening, if not more so, than I am. And I'll guarantee you guys, there's nobody that loves you like my wife. There's nobody that loves you like my wife. She prays over you. She thinks about you. She's constantly, you're constantly on her mind. Not just the ladies either. Our church, the men, I have a true minister in my home and I want to celebrate that. Come on, guys. Don't be a jerk to your wives. Lead them. Guide them. Bathe them in the word of God. Edify them in, in, in the things of the scriptures. That's what needs to happen. Notice what the scripture says. We're going to verse number 28. It says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Uh, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now remember, we're talking about in the church setting, we're talking about these things, and, and he's saying, man, you need to learn how to love yourself. So, so here's the phrase for you. For women, it was that, it, it, it was that um, 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 not subordination, but um, uh, submission brings salvation, right? But for, for guys, sacrifice brings salvation, you need to sacrifice for your wives. That's what Christ did for the church. That's what he did that she might be saved. 
This is where you get to do some dishes, guys. Listen, you don't have a slave. If you're looking, if, if, if for some reason you think that you live in 1950, I got news for you. It's 2016. And we've come to the understanding that there's a partnership here and that the roles are not necessarily roles of just women being in the home. How many of you guys, and I want to show hands, how many of you guys, your women, work outside of the home? They bring in some kind of funds somewhere else doing something else. Let me see your hands. Okay, so some of, some of you do, some of you don't, and some of you didn't understand the question because I know you, right? And I know that the wives are doing more than the things in the home. Here's the thing, is that we think, we think that the woman is supposed to do all these things. One of the blessings of my life is that when I grew up, I'm the oldest of four boys. No girls in the house. There was no girls that we could push it off on to do dishes. There was no girls that were going to do my laundry. And my, my, my mom, she, she worked all the time. So... Uh, when I was old enough to, to reach the buttons on the washing machine, she said, come here, Bill. Or it was Billy at that time. She said, Billy, come here. So I went in there. She said, you see that button right there? You throw your clothes in the top. I said, okay. She said, you put this much soap in. You hit that button right there. When it's done, you put them over in this machine. Good luck. And she walked off. If you want clean clothes, that's the way it works. When they get done, don't leave them in the dryer. You take them out. You fold them. You do whatever needs to be done with them, and you'll have clean clothes. And that was it for me. I've been washing my clothes ever since. Listen, when Kim has to go and she has to minister to her family or gets to minister to her family, to, listen, she's not worried about me starving. That's not the way that works. I'm a grown man. I can wash my own clothes. I can do my own things. I can, I, listen, I even swept the other day. Come on. You know why? Because I had Ray over and he got food all over the floor. I don't know. I don't know. But I literally grabbed the broom and I swept it up. You know, I mean, if you go over to my house right now, it looks like if Kim were there. And I think she would be pleased. Because I'm a grown man. Listen, we do those things together. And I, and I really believe that if you'll start, so, some of your wives, you don't know it, but, but their love language is acts of service. And they think you're the sexiest when you're washing dishes, man. Come on, ladies. I'm telling you. You want to get them going? Grab the vacuum cleaner, see what happens. Right? I'm just telling you. Right? But instead, you'd let her do it all. And, I, and, and guys... Listen, I'm telling you, when you don't have that partnership and she's doing it all, there's resentment there. There is. She's thinking about you. And it's not about later. Right? It's, it's not about how she's going to please you later. That's not, that's not what's going on. She's thinking about what a jerk you are. Because you're making her do all this stuff while, you, while you're downstairs playing video games or whatever you're doing. I only say that because I was the guy playing video games at one time. Okay? So it's not a slam against you. That's me revealing who I was. You need to make some changes, right? So you do it for yourself as much as you do for anything else. So the other thing that I want you to understand about this is that Christ said that he reaps the benefits, right? When he bathes his bride in, in the word, when, when he makes her spotless and without blemish and all those kinds of things, what happens is, is that he then presents it to himself, right? So listen, a happy wife, a happy 
happy wife, a happy life, right? And listen, a happy wife doesn't mean that you just buy her stuff. I'm, I'm telling you. That, now, now, some ladies, they like for you to buy them stuff. That, that's cool, right? But that's not everything. They want you. They don't necessarily what you can, want just what you can provide. And if they do, they need to have a heart check, right? But most ladies, that's not what they want. They want the relationship. They want you. They want you to open your mouth and they want you to tell her what you're feeling, what's going on inside. And it doesn't necessarily have to be 12,000 words, but at least give her 200. Give her something. Give her a little bone to chew on, right? Learn to talk. Learn to communicate. It's important for her. Then he presents it to himself. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn back to Genesis chapter 2. Because as we read the end of this, in verse uh, 29, uh, you guys start turning to Genesis chapter 2. Verse number 29 says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ did the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one, one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so we see this passage in here, but that passage actually comes from Genesis chapter 2. And in verse number 21, when it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon uh, man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up uh, its, its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she is taken out of the man. So let's get the proper picture here. When you come to Christ, it's very much, it's not a king to servants. It's a husband to a wife. It's a man to a woman. Where Jesus comes to you and says, I want to spend the rest of your days with you. I want to be with you. Forsaking all others, forsaking this world, I want to be with you. That's the proper picture of your salvation experience when you said, I do. I do. As much as you want to be with me, Lord, I want to be with you. And you come together with the Lord, right? You're resurrected into a new thing. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but then you've been resurrected into a new thing. And that new thing is a oneness together where you're going to spend the rest of your lives together. Listen, do you think about your relationship with Jesus like that? You see, it's actually a lot easier for us to think about him being the king and us being the servants, right? Because the servants don't always do what the king wants and, and we try to make the king happy and we try to do all those kind of things and he's up here and he's got his own life. But listen, that's not the way. It's never been the way that God wanted to function with you. It's always, let's be together. Let's be together. That's why we forsake all others. That's why we walk away from the things of this world. That's why the, the Bible tells us in James chapter 4 that when we have friendship with the world that it's an enmity against God and he calls us adulterers and adulteresses because we've stepped out on him and we're doing things against him when this relationship, with, when you said I do, it was supposed to be forsaking all others. 
forsaking all those other things, turning away from sin, turning away from all that stuff. And now you've come to God. He loves you. You love him. You function well together. And he begins to tell you all things. He begins to share the plan with you. This is what I'm trying to do. This is why I created the world. This is why I created you. This is why there's a a hell. This is why Satan still exists. And he will tell you all of those things because he loves you. And he washes you in the word. And then as a church, we come alongside as a help to him. And say, God, can I join you in what you're doing? Sarah says, God, can I join you in what you're doing? God says, absolutely. And two people get saved. You see, that came out of a love relationship between her and Jesus. When Scarlett's at the Paulding County Pregnancy Center and She wins a young lady to Christ. It comes out of the love relationship that she has with Jesus. Jesus is with them. They're doing it together. Sarah didn't do that for Jesus. She did it with Jesus. You see what I'm saying? That's the way we need to start functioning in our our own lives with our husband. Because here's the thing, guys. You can't be a good husband until you're a good wife. Until you're following the things of the Lord, until you're doing what God's called you to do, you're never going to be able to lead your wife properly. She's never going to understand the plan. And your plan will never be clear. You got to do that, guys. So here's what I want you to notice here, is that this sacrifice was necessary to bring about the woman. And I'm going to end with this. And just understand that when the Bible talks about a Christian or, or a son of God who sleeps... It's not, he's, he's talking about death. And I want you to notice what happens here in Genesis chapter 2 is that after God has brought all the animals in front of him and he said, you know, to see what he would call them, and he's like, yeah, that's good, but it's not me, and it's not really what I need, then God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. So the first man, Adam, what happened is, is that there had to be a death that life could come. And so he fall, he, there's a deep sleep that falls upon Adam, and while he's in that stage of death, he takes a rib from his side, he closes up the flesh, and then he makes woman from that. It's the exact same picture that we have of the Lord Jesus Christ that says, listen, if I'm going to have my bride, I have to sacrifice for her. Death is required that life can exist. And so Jesus, your husband, has died on a cross for you, pierced his side, right? His side was pierced so that you could have life, so that you could come into existence. Guys, listen, with your wives, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to sacrifice for her. Be willing to die that she might live. Be willing to die that your kids would live. You might not have everything that you want to have. You you might not be able to do all the things that you want to do because there are other people that are counting on you and that they need you. Listen, don't you understand that God, in all of his patience with us, he's not doing everything right now that he wants to do because he's doing it with you. Are you following me? He has to be patient. And God has to wait on you to catch up. God has to wait on you to understand. And you know what God says? Praise God. I'll wait. I'll wait. Is that not what he said with Moses? Man, these things are cool. Is that not what he said with Moses? 
When God says, listen, I have a plan for you. We're going to do something together and it's going to be amazing. We're going to save all these people that are in slavery. All of them. Lord, you're talking about all the tribes of Israel? All of them. You're my deliverer. You're going to save them all. Now, Moses stepped out and he did it wrong. Killed a guy. Ran to the backside of the desert, scared that he was going to get killed himself. And you know what God did? Well, I guess I got to pick another one. No. No. He waited. He was patient. He let Moses get over Moses' thing. And then he said, okay, 40 years later, you ready? What, what do you mean, Lord? What, what do you mean, are you ready? Well, my plan hasn't changed at all. You're my deliverer. Let's go deliver the people. You must got the wrong guy. No, it's the same guy that he was growing up. You just need to trust me. Let's do this thing. God is patient with us as his bride because he wants to do things with us. Listen, men, sometimes I see guys begin to move forward in their Christian faith. They're not sharing with their wives. They're not leading them. They're not washing them in the word. And they begin to leave them behind. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be talking to your wife be bringing her alongside because you can't do it without her. I didn't say you shouldn't. I said you can't do it without her because God has brought her into your life. God is the one that has set you in charge of the vision and the direction. Now, what do you need to do? You need to get with God. Where are we going, Lord? How are we going to provide? What job are you going to give me? What job do you not want me to take that I can provide best for my family, that I can do what you want to do with my family? Guys, listen, this is what I want to do. I want us to break up again like we did last week. Husbands and wives, I want you to, got, I want to have a time of family prayer. Right? So uh, go ahead and just do that now. If you don't have a husband or a wife, then I want you to find each other. Right? So men... If you're single, I want you to come together and I want you to pray for your future wives and that you would be the leaders that God wants you to be. You understand? Ladies, if you're single, and don't let any lady, don't let any lady, don't let any man in this building be without somebody, right? But if you're a husband and a wife, I want you guys to get together. Husbands, I want you to pray for direction. I want you to pray that God will reveal to you the plan of whatever he's wanting you to do. Ladies, I want you to turn around in the midst of your husband so that he can hear you. I want you to pray for him in his presence. Amen? All right, break up.